the San Francisco Experience podcast, brought to you by Jim Herlihy, independent commentary from a Silicon Valley perspective for a global audience, featuring newsmakers, thought leaders, and authors. Season 25, Episode 3, Ecuador Fights the Drug Gangs for Control of the Country, talking with Sebastián Hurtado, President and CEO of Profitas. Ecuador was plunged into a cycle of violent gang mayhem, when the leader of the country's biggest criminal gang, Los Choneros, escaped from prison, where he was serving a 34-year sentence. In response to a crackdown by the government in six of the nation's biggest prisons, organized gangs brought the violence to the streets of the capital, Quito, and the largest port, Guayaquil. The most shocking incident, caught on live TV, involved an armed gang who stormed a local TV station and broadcast live the seizure and brutalization of on-air TV personalities. With us today to explain the latest ongoing violence is Sebastián Hurtado, president and founder of political risk consultancy Profitas. He advises investors and companies doing business in this Andean nation of 17 million people. He joins us from his office in Quito, the nation's capital. Hello, Sebastian. How are you? Hello, James. I'm good. Thank you. Good. Sebastian, please take a moment and tell our listeners about your practice and your client base. Profitas is a political risk consultancy based in Quito, Ecuador. We've been in the market for 20 years. We're actually celebrating our 20th anniversary this year. We focus on advising private sector companies, either local or international corporations doing business or planning on investment or on investing in either Ecuador, Colombia, or Peru. We advise them on how to navigate the complex political, social, and regulatory environment of businesses in the region. Uh Client base, we serve uh, local and international corporations doing business or planning to invest in the region. President Daniel Naboa was sworn in as Ecuador's president in November. During the political campaign, He promised to gain control of the security situation in Ecuador. Tell us what provoked the current round of violence and what he's done to regain control. You know, Ecuador has been living through an unprecedented spike in criminal violence in the country due to the expanded work or business of cocaine trade in Ecuador and through Ecuadorian ports. And that has been happening for a number of years. But what changed in the last few weeks is that President Obama, who inaugurated his government just a few months back, decided to again do a crackdown on criminal organizations. Mm-hmm. And he's been voicing several initiatives on aimed at taming these criminal organizations. Some of those had to do with building new prison facilities mm-hmm. in Ecuador, mm-hmm. high security prison facilities in Ecuador, in some isolated parts of the country. You know, the prison system in Ecuador for a number of years have served as de facto headquarters for criminal gangs and for criminal gangs leaders Mm -hmm. who have been getting in and out of those prisons for a number of years and they've been basically running businesses from there. And this new initiative from the government, it seems to have created some concern in these gang leaders. 
And before the government actually intervened or made this new effort to intervene in the prison system, a high-profile criminal organization leader called Fito, who was the most important prisoner or gang leader prisoner in the hands of the government, managed to escape Mm -hmm. from prison, Mm -hmm. from a high-security prison. And he didn't escape like Chapo Guzman did, you know, like (laughs) digging a tunnel. Mm -hmm. He got out of prison through the front door. And that went to show uh, how much criminal infiltration you can find in the prison system in Ecuador. Mm -hmm. So this event was very damaging for the Novoa government politically. You know, people started to doubt the government, to see it as improvised, to to see it as incompetent. Mm -hmm. And there were a lot of voices uh, rising against the, the government. So President Novoa reacted by first calling for a national state of emergency. Mm -hmm. And after that, uh, making an unprecedented move and very bold move, which was calling for a state of war, basically, Mm -hmm. in Ecuador. Mm. And he called, yeah, for an armed conflict, for a local armed conflict, and declare, basically declare war against a specific criminal organizations, around 20 plus criminal organizations, Mm -hmm. that were basically going to be considered military targets. Mm -hmm. And that was an unprecedented move and basically implied that the military will be able to hand down and uh, fight these criminal organizations and its leaders. Mm -hmm. So basically, this initiative, well, generated a a reaction from these criminal organizations who felt that they were, for the first time in a number of years, were really threatened. Yes. And that's what provoked most of the violence that we've seen in the last few days, but especially last week. I have a question for you. The big leader who escaped... You said his uh, his name is Fito, F-I-T-O. Has he been found? Has he been caught at this point? Do they know where he is? Not yet. And there's still no news from the government regarding Fito. They've just said that they're hunting him down. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we see, I mean, people ha- have welcomed all these actions mm-hmm. because they've seen a larger presence of uh, military forces on the streets and police forces on the streets. The, the government, after struggling for a number of years, uh, of days, uh, yesterday they managed to regain control of, of most prisons that were in the hands of, of prisoners who held uh, guards and other personnel from prisons as hostages. Mm-hmm. Uh, so somehow they've made some progress in this war, I would say. They have arrested over a thousand people. Mm-hmm. So people have been welcoming this effort. Mm-hmm. However, I still think that the government needs to show some real results going forward in mm-hmm. terms of reduced violence and better security and showing a, a clear control of the prison system, for example. Mm-hmm. And, and an improvement mm-hmm. in, the, in the situation in general 
because you know if the government doesn't manage to catch the most important gang leaders including Fito people are going to start doubting again that this effort is bearing fruit mm-hmm. and that will be damaging for the government when you say the president declared war on these gangs these criminal organizations you said that they've arrested about a thousand people. What does this war entail? I mean, are they have they suspended civil rights uh, throughout Ecuador? Can the military seize seize any suspected criminals? Um, what are some of the specific measures that have been taken as as part of this war on crime in Ecuador? This is an unprecedented situation, and there's still a lot of uncertainty on the final implications of this declaration of war. Mm -hmm. In principle, it allows the military to act in any way they can Mm -hmm. and bring any military resources they need Mm -hmm. into this fight, Mm -hmm. which is something that it's not something that they can do in regular times. Mm-hmm. I mean, the military cannot act against civilians or against local criminals. The definition of the declaration of war from the government allowed the military to target a specific criminal organizations as terrorist organizations and enemies of the state. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, they can bring any resources and they can, of course, they can even size property in order to advance their military effort. It is not clear yet of on whether, for example, the people they arrest, or, or at least some of them, which are directly linked to these organizations, mm-hmm. might be considered prisoners of war mm-hmm. and not necessarily regular prisoners. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but those definitions are being made as we move forward. And uh, as I say, there's still a lot of uncertainty on how are they going to handle some of the fallout of this military action in, in Ecuador's uh, territory. Now, one of the other questions that I had for you, immediately after the president made his announcement about declaring war on these criminal entities in Ecuador, he also called on the United States for help and assistance. Where does that stand? How did the Biden administration respond? And has aid been forthcoming from the Biden administration to the Ecuadorian Armed Forces? Well, the U.S. government has been very supportive of of Ecuador in the last few years. Ecuador has elected mostly pro-U.S. governments governments since the the election of Guillermo Lasso in 2021. So the Guillermo Lasso government and the Novoa government are governments that are pretty close to the United States, and I would say pretty much pro-United States. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's been a working relationship for the number of years. Mm-hmm. However, given these new initiatives from the Daniel Novoa government, there are ongoing discussions on a larger support package from the U.S. to Ecuador. Not necessarily in terms of money, but at least not now. But I understand the Ecuadorian government will soon announce a deal with the United States in, in terms of the United States, the, the U.S. government providing advice, support, uh, intel, 
and, and some military and, and police resources to help on this on this fight. Uh-huh. And and I understand the details of that are being currently discussed and something will be announced in the next few days. Uh-huh. Now, a- another question for you. You mentioned that there there have been discussions before this latest round of um, of violence. There have been discussions about creating supermax facilities. I think they had talked about creating three supermax facilities in Ecuador. Tell us about those facilities. We've we've read and heard about these supermax facilities that have been created in El Salvador in Central America. But what exactly what would the what would the nature of these new prisons be when Ecuador eventually opens these new supermax facilities? What would they how long will it take to to get these up and running and what would they look like? Well, President Novoa himself actually presented this project, this new prisons project last week, Mm -hmm. and uh, he even showed some renders uh, to the local media. Mm -hmm. And he himself said these prisons were modeled uh, like those that President Bukele developed in El Salvador. Right. And that he was actually... Uh, use the same contractors Mm -hmm. to build those facilities. Mm -hmm. So they will somehow look like those that have been built in El Salvador. President Nuevo announced that two prisons like this will be built, one in the the coast and one in in the Oriente region. Mm -hmm. And they will soon be up and running in about 10 months. Mm -hmm. We still have to see... how feasible that is, Mm -hmm. Uh, but at least that's what he has committed to personally. Mm -hmm. That was one of his campaign offers, and he doubled down on this uh, last week in a a presentation to to the public. So, yeah, that's basically the idea. Now, Now, El Salvador and President Bukele in El Salvador has been very successful with these supermax prisons in El Salvador, and the, uh, the crime rate in uh, in El Salvador has collapsed. And as a result, uh, it's El Salvador has become very peaceful and the crime rate has dropped dramatically. So if Ecuador is able to do something similar like El Salvador did, that would be a huge improvement for the people of Ecuador. Yeah, but I think the situation is quite different mm-hmm. uh, between El Salvador, the situation in Salvador and the situation in Ecuador. Mm-hmm. Just because, you know, in Ecuador, most of the crime was related to local gangs involved in different criminal practices. The criminal gangs in Ecuador are more connected to the global mm. cocaine mm-hmm. business. Mm-hmm. And it is a huge business in Ecuador that has grown significantly in the last few years because the market for cocaine, the production of cocaine in Colombia and the market for cocaine has expanded significantly mm-hmm. in Europe, especially, and in Asia. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the problem here, you know. Basically, with this growth in the market, uh, international criminal organizations along with local organizations started looking for new ways to move their products mm-hmm. and Ecuador was right there offering uh, prime access to the Pacific Ocean several interesting ports mm-hmm. weak institutions mm-hmm. uh, dollarized economy so it was uh, it presented a, as an important business opportunity and according to some sources Ecuador now is export I mean 60 percent 
of the cocaine exported to Europe and Asia comes from Ecuadorian ports, really? through Ecuadorian ports. That's, that's yeah. impressive. So it is, a, it, it is impressive. So it is a huge business, mm -hmm. something that, that is not the case uh, in El Salvador. Mm -hmm. So I think the, the, the situation is far more complex in Ecuador because mm -hmm. somehow you have to face uh, criminal organizations that have maybe far more significant economic and military resources than the ones you know the Ecuadorian uh, the Ecuadorian government might have. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I think it's you know uh, in that sense it is it is a different situation. I would say a very different situation. Mm -hmm. So I don't I don't think just building prisons will necessarily solve the problem or significantly improve the problem because mm -hmm. in order to use the prisons you first have to catch the criminals then you have to yes. uh, judge them and then you have to convict them and if there's something that we have learned in the last few months especially is how much infiltration there is from criminal organizations in most state institutions even mm -hmm. the police and the military mm -hmm. and you can you can you can see that in the way that uh, criminal organizations have been basically owning the prison system and using the and using it as as headquarters for their activities you can see that infiltration from a recent major investigation of the general prosecutor in Ecuador that unveiled how uh, deep deep connections mm -hmm. between criminal leaders and judges, prosecutors, prison administrators, military generals, police generals. It is, I would say, it is a, a major challenge mm -hmm. uh, to the to the Ecuadorian government and to the Ecuadorian state at a level that I think in Salvador never, 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 faced, never faced something like that. Well, yeah. Sebastian, in the remaining few minutes of the podcast, um, you've given us a, a very thorough overview of the very complex criminal threat which Ecuador faces from this transnational cartel, drug cartel, very different from the situation that exists in El Salvador and Central America. Give us your closing thoughts. Uh, obviously, we'll be talking over the throughout this year. We'll be checking in with you periodically to get updates on the situation in Ecuador. Give us your closing thoughts today at the end of this uh, this very traumatic week for Ecuador. Give us your closing thoughts for uh, for where we stand after one week of this this violence and the first steps of response by President Naboa. Well, we're, what we're with, what we have witnessed in the last week uh, is an unprecedented situation. I can tell you, I have not seen a direct threat like this to the Ecuadorian state by criminal organizations before. Mm. And the response from the government has also been unprecedented because mm -hmm. we have never had a local war conflict, as, mm -hmm. as has been declared by the president of Oa. Mm -hmm. I really hope that behind these initiatives from President Novoa lays in a specific plan or a plan is being developed to deal with this situation that goes beyond of basically applying brute force 
mm-hmm. in the form of military intervention and, and a war on, on crime, because I think there's a lot more needed mm-hmm. to deal with this threat and to avoid Ecuador becoming a narco state or a failed state mm-hmm. in, in the hands of criminal organizations. And that involves a strategy, uh, a strategy to deal with other aspects of, of, of the cocaine business that is not necessarily connected with the violence mm-hmm. that has to do with the infiltration of state institutions uh, that has to do with fighting corruption that has to do with fighting money laundry mm-hmm. that has to do with managing the prison system uh, in the right way that has to do with judicial reform and, and having the right institutions to prosecute uh, the, the criminals and get convictions uh, that has to do with uh, in reintroducing tradition uh, the extradition yeah. of criminals yes Sebastian yeah. I think you've yes. you've given us a very comprehensive overview of the very complex situation which Ecuador is facing today in which the new president Noboa is facing so I, I want to thank you for that and we will be checking in with you periodically over this next year as President Noboa implements this complex and wide-ranging reform plan that's going to be necessary to regain control of Ecuador and to prevent Ecuador from becoming a failed state. Well, Sebastian, how can our listeners contact you? Sure. I can be contacted through X. My X handle is at Sebas Cortado. My firm webpage is profitas.com. That's P-R-O-F-I-T-A-S.com. And those are the easiest ways to reach out to me. So your X handle is S-E-B-A-S Hurtado, H-U-R-T-A-D-O. That is correct. Okay, very good. Well, Sebastian, once again, I want to thank you so much for joining us and and for sharing with us your uh, your really in depth and uh, and frank review of the situation there in Ecuador today. And as I said, look forward over the next uh, over the coming year to be checking in with you to see what progress the Noboa administration will be making. Again, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, James. I mean, I think the President Novoa, this actions President Novoa has gained a lot of local political support and political leverage. Mm-hmm. And uh, we can only hope he can make the best use of it in terms of uh, moving forward with reforms that otherwise might have been very difficult. Mm-hmm. And I hope he uses his current political support and political leverage in order to do that. We certainly hope so too. And thanks so much for joining us. Today's Thank you, James. Thank you. And for our listeners, today's episode is number 490. Listen to us on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Pandora, 18 platforms in total with listeners in 60 countries. Feedspot has recognized us as a top 25 California news podcast. This has been the San Francisco Experience Podcast with Jim Herlihy coming to you from San Francisco. 